This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back. Welcome in. This is Country Roads Confidential at Earsports.com, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. I am Mike Sazza, welcoming in Chris Anderson. Chris, um, probably passed the statute limitations on Merry Christmas, but we can still say Happy New Year, right? <laughs> yeah, I think so. This is like uh, the Christmas card fiasco from our household right now, where for the second year in a row, third year in a row, we have uh, not sent out Christmas cards to everybody. And uh, each time I forget, my wife says, maybe we can do a New Year's one. And then we get to New Year's. And then it's just like, well, we'll get around to it next year. So I think we still have time for us to say it to each other, though. Mm-hmm. I'm about one year away from just uploading it to a website and texting people a QR code yeah. or a link. Be like, hey, like, here it is. And you can like your favorite recruit. Yes. <laughs> should, we, uh, should we leave off with him or just get to him later? Yeah, we'll get to him later. All right, that's fine. Um, speaking of Happy New Year, the new year for football at West Virginia arrives. I don't know. I don't want to say all good news because certainly there's there's um at least enough of a hangover, so to speak, from from the bowl game, and also Winston Wright was transferring before the ball dropped, but also some I would say definitely good news, but probably also somewhat just certainly surprising good news about who's back on offense. Excuse me, on defense. And uh, there's probably some some TBD out there as far as who might be on the fence about going. The rate these things go, Chris, by the time that we post this, something that may have happened. Just for full disclosure, you've written about this. There are some receivers who, who may be standard going. I think they're still making up their mind if they haven't already. But indications are that this is not yet done. But I think that the surprises are probably good news and that they change the conversation. But also they make a defense that could be good and probably needs to be really good. In light of what's probably expected on offense, it makes that defense better because having Josh Chandler Sumito in the middle and Dante Stills on the defensive line, that's a pretty good start to your offseason there, getting those guys back. If you pulled them from the portal, you'd be very happy. The fact that they're already on your team and they're choosing to stay, that's even better. Yeah, let's start there with the good news because that's, I mean, let's be honest there. The Stills thing was kind of permeating a little bit. Uh, you mentioned it to me even before the bowl, the, the guys departed for the bowl. Uh, that the, the, there were some rumblings there, and then uh, Dante goes to the bowl game. And during bowl prep, bowl lead up, he makes a comment about kind of you know it's not a done deal that he's going to the NFL. And then it, he makes it official afterwards, saying he's coming back, which was so it, it was trending that direction. But if you had told me that a month ago, I would have said you're crazy because we were one year removed from when he was making this decision already. He was considering an NFL jump last year. And decided to come back. So to get him for another year uh, is is pretty stunning. I, I think that's great news for that defensive line. I think it was already going to be a pretty strong group. But to keep him uh, in the fold really helps things out. Uh, and then Chandler Smito, for crying out loud, he was flat out asked about it before senior day at the press conference 
in front of the media on live stream, recorded, broadcast live for everyone to see and and hear, saying that that was his last home game, that he was not coming back. He, he was flat asked by a reporter, is this your last game? Are you coming back? This is it. This is what he said. And now he's back. So some of these decisions that seem definite, definite, definitive. Yeah, sure. True. Uh, <laughs> both ways. You never know anymore. I mean, it's taken me back to, well, I don't want to get into the bad news quite yet because I want to stick with these two guys for a second, but it's just reminding me of, you know, Bryce Ford Wheaton putting out the I'm coming back graphic, official WBU graphic, and then it's disappeared, which reminds me of the Jeffrey Pooler who went out of his way to create an I'm coming back graphic to then leave a couple months later. So (laughs) nothing is... Nothing is as definitive as what you it seems apparently these days. I was not surprised that Dante Stills um, chose to play in the bowl game. His brother did, and his brother could have certainly opted out against Army in those cut blocks, which is just a miserable experience for an unsuspecting defensive lineman. Didn't play well, didn't help him, but oh well. Um, so I thought Dante would play, and he did. To be frank with you, just because of all the indications, I I don't. I don't know Josh Chandler Samito, and I think just the you could probably assume the one I'm about to say it looks like a bad take, but I was kind of surprised he played in the bowl game because it seemed like he was going, and that's a guy who who may be better off with himself, just like I'm going to go prep or I'm not going to play this game or I'm going to get ready for the the combine or whatever. Um, and he didn't, and that might have been an indication that that he was coming back, and that makes you think of guys like Sean Ryan. I'm trying to think of other people there. Jackie Matthews would have been one, but he's also leaving now too. But you probably have to realize that opting out of games is such a common and sometimes smart move. And it might not even mean to preserve yourself for the NFL. It might mean to preserve yourself for the transfer portal. But when guys don't do that, you probably have to pay attention to that as much as when guys do do that. So that's something that maybe we have to keep in our in our mind in the future when you have these underclassmen who – could be transferring or seniors who could be coming back. It all depends. There's still a few of those players who are going to have that built-in extra year for um, a couple more years at least. So, I don't know. In thinking about that, maybe that makes us change or at least add, uh, I guess, on a metric to the whole roster evaluation too. And then something I will say too, this counts in that recruiting, retaining, developing process that I and others have harped on with football lately because it's one thing to get good players here and you have to develop them so they become even better players than they were they as arrived as recruits or transfers. But you have to retain them. And if you keep them from going to the portal, that's a win. But if you keep them from going to the NFL, that's the exact same thing. So I will give credit where it's due. There had to have been some conversation inception point with Stills or with Chandler Samito. I would say that Stills started it maybe. Chandler Samito, I don't know. I think it's hard to go to that guy and say, hey, what do you think about coming back? But you still have to have that conversation at some point. So one or both of those guys knocked on an assistant coach's door or a head coach's door and said, I'd like to have a conversation about coming back. They might have had to been talked into it. They might have already been talked into it. But you still have to give them the reassurances that it's going to be okay. This is a unusual decision for either player. Celebrate it all you want. Question it all you want. But you can say it's unusual. You're going to have to talk them into it. It's, it's something to consider playing for money which is what both these guys have wanted to do for a long, long time. And to have that that light at the end of the tunnel not only be visible, but be right in front of you. And who knows if they make it or get drafted or whatever, but everybody thinks they're an NFL player. And to have that chance to go prove it, 
that's intoxicating. To come back and to commit yourself for another year just to get to that point where you're staring at the light again, that's bizarre to me, Chris. And I don't know how, how normal that's going to be. I don't know how normal you can expect it to be, but I do think that you have to give coaches some credit for saying, hey, this is a good idea, and hey, here's why it's a good idea. Those guys may have wanted it. They may have been ready to eat out of your hands, but you have to give them something to digest there, too. So tip of the cap to them. They pulled that one off. Well, maybe this will transition us into our next conversation here, because do WVU fans have NIL to thank for that? And hear me out, because I think there's going to be times where the NIL is going to hurt WVU. It's going to hurt a lot of teams. But in this instance, I'm t- this is a very specific set of players that I'm talking about here. Fringe NFL guys or guys that are prime starting, you know, uh, face of the program ish kind of guys for a college team, but not a guaranteed thing in the NFL. Why not stay in, in college for a year and make 50, 60, 100, 200 grand? I, I have no clue. I have zero clue what Dante makes or what. Josh Chandler Tomato makes from their NIL deals right now with West Virginia. But if you're a college football player and your options are stay in college one more year and make an above average American salary on top of your full scholarship to get a master's degree, for instance, for both of them, and play football with your friends in front of your family close to home, or run the risk of going and working even harder and getting put on practice squads and making, you know, a couple grand and, and being cut and or bouncing around and doing this and doing that. It, it, it's almost enticing to stay at, at in college and reap those new benefits and, and get that NIL money, play one more year, because are either of them going to drastically help or drastically hurt their NFL stock with one more year? I don't think so. And I don't think either of them are, you know, definite day one or day two NFL draft picks. So stick around, make some more money in college, get your master's degree, and then try out the NFL and, and see if you can make it work then. And let's be frank, um, West Virginia football has not been potent with NIL stuff. And who was the one player who perked up about this during the season, Chris? Uh, are we talking about Josh Chandler's Samita's tweets? We are. Okay. And that was kind of one of those flashpoints where you realize that there was a difference, not only between football and basketball, but that like maybe basketball was not only doing a different, but they were giving their players different information. Football players didn't think the teams could go out and, and facilitate NIL deals. That's not true. Um, Look at look at players who are transferring right now and basically saying who's going to get me the most money. That's because football programs can facilitate NIL deals. So I think that there might have been some some misinformation or misinterpretation initially. But you also saw Dante Stills among a handful of players, typically offensive linemen, defensive linemen who were on billboards around here and, and other smaller opportunities that if you get enough of them, they accumulate. You can do it well. I think the one unfortunate part for football was just the runway to the season and the NIL merged at such a sharp time that it was going to be hard for a lot of them to make money this season and and maybe even for teams to put together a plan and to say, hey, here's how you can make 20 grand, 50 grand, 100 grand. Who right now would you rather have for NIL than maybe Dante Stills on defense, right? Yeah. And then if you if Josh Chandler Samito is coming back, 
I don't know. There's a lot you can do with a guy like that. That's a marquee player on defense. Um, there's, I mean, there were people who, <clears throat> who told you, and correct me if I'm wrong, Chris, they didn't want to work with him. Maybe that's true. Maybe that's not any longer true, but they have time now to do this. They did not have that one. This fell in their laps in uh, what, July 1. Season comes really quickly at that point. You don't have time to sit down and have a plan and do this. Now you do. And I think you'll see guys who get with, for lack of a better word, uh, agents like Letty Brown did. So if you saw a Josh Chandler Semino or a Dante Stoes or some other underclassman or senior get with some sort of representation, that would surprise me. And I think the football is probably wise to use this time right now to probably make the most of what's happened in the past five or six months. And hopefully they have a plan and they know who the vendors are and know who the businesses are. They would be wise to probably try to sit down with basketball and try to say, hey, who have you worked with? What's been good pitches locally here? Because you have to speak your own language. And if you're a West Virginia student athlete or a West Virginia team trying to pitch a player or a team or whatever to a company, you can't go out to everybody, but there's going to be a certain, I would say a definite, definitive, whatever, population of businesses that want to do work with you. So if you can find a way to, to encapsulate your players and, and what you want to sell to those now, you, you have a really good chance to do this too. So this is not only for those two, but you're going to see players who are on the roster or who are coming in or who are being recruited who say, wait a second, not only do they come back, they stuck with it, but they got rewarded. And it, it could be all around a really good opportunity for not just the players, but the program and NIL, because that's, that's a big deal too. I don't know that Winston Wright's transferring because of NIL, but we know that, for example, Justin Williams, the running back, was interested in NIL opportunities and had better and more fruitful conversations. I don't think it was a determining factor, but with Tennessee and Auburn than he did with West Virginia. And that sounds like, by a lot of accounts, that was part of his information, um, part of the information he used to make a decision. He didn't leave um, the, the recruiting class at West Virginia solely because he wasn't going to make as much money here, but that was part of his decision, so... This is this is 2022 now, right? This is something you're going to have to figure out what to do, and you're seeing it everywhere too. So, um, this this again, if if leverage the right way, this could be good for everybody involved. Yeah, on the uh, Josh Chandler Smith thing, I think this is one that could really flip for him because um, last year before the season, so not a few months ago, I was talking to somebody about these NIL deals, and they said that a lot of these guys are finding out the hard way that some of the stuff they put on social media is going to hurt their brand, hurt their branding opportunities. And the example they gave was Josh Chandler Semedo with some of the things that he puts on, was putting on social media, some of the, the commentary he made. Uh, said, the, the person I spoke with uh, was a capital P person, by the way, told me that you know it, it kind of isolated a good chunk of potential sponsors. Go look at it now. And, and then also, that that's that part of it. And then look at the on-field part of it, and you look at his career. And first, he's 2018. Nobody really knows who he is. He's kind of a backup young guy. 2019, his first year as a starter. He has a pretty good year, second on the team in tackles. But that that's his breakout year. He had no buildup to it. Uh, then the following year, he's kind of overshadowed by Tony Fields. You know, Josh, it's who who is WVU fans know who Josh Chandler Smito is, but as far as like the general public is concerned, he is what the fifth, sixth best player on that defense in 2020. And then this year, 110 tackles, 110. You know, one of one of the best in the country. And now he's building up a brand. You look at his social media, cleaned up, just support for his teammates, former teammates just some stuff about NBA and NFL. And and then, you know, right after his announcement that he was coming back, quote, tweet it. Here is my Instagram. Here's my email. 
for all NIL opportunities and negotiations, please contact me. You know, this is a thing that can change for him. And I think, you know, he was, it seemingly, based off again, some of his tweets before, upset about the NIL opportunities he had before. Now, I think as far as the on-field product and the way he's handling himself on social media, they should be much better this time around. This is Ricky Vaughn in Major League too, Chris. <laughs> well, number seven's going to corporate. I don't like it. Oh, man, I need the bad haircut and the horn room glasses and all that. But, hey, good for him. And you know who loves to see players tone it down on social media and a marching line? Coaches. Yes. They love that stuff. So if the if the money talks right now, that's a really good thing too. What type of money are we talking about? Uh, this is original reporting. Don't steal this, okay? I'm just telling everybody listening in, in privacy. Taz Sherman, Jalen Bridges, Sean McNeil. Six figures before Christmas in NIL. Just think about that for a second, okay? Um, and, we're, and not cash, like cash in hand, but like cash equivalents. They got money for cars. They got, I mean, they got cars. They're working with different companies. So a car could be worth, I don't know, 45, 50 grand. It still counts. Like you're not paying for that car. You're getting a $50,000 ride. That's great. I don't know how the taxes worked. I don't care. All I know is that those guys, um, Taz came back, McNeil came back. I don't think Bridges is going anywhere, but like, why would Bridges go anywhere if he's going to be the guy next year and he banks six figures in half a year this year? That's the type of money you're talking about here. Is everybody going to make a hundred? No, but are the opportunities out there? Yeah. And if there's an infrastructure in your in your athletic department or your specific sports program, you got a chance to do it. So football, we'll see. I don't know, but basketball, Jay Coons, et cetera, those guys have been really active on the ground putting a battle plan together, and it's worked. Um, that should probably be mimicking a lot of sports, and I think you'll see that. And then these guys would be two great. Um, I don't know, weather balloons, guinea pigs, whatever you want to call it, to see how it works, too. So that's a good sign here. Um, here's a, a hypothetical I want for you, Chris, and this will transition us into other other good news. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Let's say that Neil Brown uh, pulls a dick for meal and burned out, no longer wants to coach, he retires. Okay? Okay. That's how it ends. I'm not going to get anything more controversial than that. But now you need a football coach. And this is right around the time that Lions hired Brown in 2019. I think uh, three years to the day, what, tomorrow, correct? Right. I did not get my invitation in the mail for the party, by the way. <laughs> Anyhow, if you're, um, if you're Lions and, and Kelly's in and, you know, the other people who are really important in the decision-making process and you got to go out and get a coach, let's say they've been on the ground for about a week now. Bowl game ends. Neil says, thank you, but I'm done. I got to spend some time on myself, whatever. You go out and you do it. And I think a lot of people would say, boy, six points in a bowl game, really stagnant offense, you know, without an identity. This has kind of been a boring product for a while, and, and it's stagnating, and what do we do? How do we sell this to everybody? That question is probably a little bit easier answered now than it was a week ago, which is maybe the point, too. Smoke clears. Everybody gets a better view of everything, too. What are the positives right now? Because – it occurs to me that there's there's still a lot to like about here, especially for trying to get somebody to come in and and work for a couple of years with something. Maybe maybe a lot of the work for whomever would succeed Brown has been done. Certainly, more work has to be done. But I think that you could put your hands on a couple of things and and begin to build and mold in your visage if you're the right person. West Virginia thinks Neil Brown's the right person, but what who can you work with here to make this maybe a more positive perception than what people imagine? Well, I, I think you got all the pieces on defense right now. Um, I think it's important if you come in here, a, a lot of coaches, if they look at a job and they see the foundation around it and they think, you know, foundation is obviously important, but you know what would also be nice? 
not being terrible the first year on campus. And I think that was one thing that that was a negative for Neil Brown when he first arrived. Not not of Neil Brown, but of West the state of West Virginia football at that time because that team was so senior heavy the year before he got here that that roster was very depleted of of talent, of numbers, of experience. And it would have been a, a rough start. I think if you come in here now as a coach, you actually have a, the the pieces to not only be at least average in year one, but potentially better, but also the foundation to build for the future. So I, I do believe that if somebody tried to come in now, they would be in a better spot than they were when Neil Brown started three years ago. Which leads to this. They think that Brown can do this, of course, right? Mm-hmm. So if they hired Neil Brown right now, they'd probably feel pretty good about things. So I understand that people haven't been happy with what's been happening so far, but I think you really make an argument that here and now is maybe why you hire Brown. Like when he has the ingredients and he can he can put his recipes on the menu, then then you really see what he's got up his sleeve. It may work, it may not, but it feels like you work to get to a certain point where, all right, it's now or never, probably there. And then, I mean, maybe it's under different circumstances than what people wanted. They'd much rather have a better record and certainly more bowl wins and losses or a better bowl win than they had last year and maybe a different experience this year. But I think you can make an argument that the pieces are in place, but that leads to this question too. Can they do it? Don't know. What do you have to see between now and the start of spring football? Because we can spend a lot of time on transfers but you could also say, well, spare part, bad guy, um, what did Lions call Energy vampires? Yeah. You, caught, you caught that, right? Yep. Um, so anyways, certainly of the 30 players who've been gone in the past 368 days, not all of them are, are starters or important players. Maybe some of them are, are you know, people who had legal issues or on the field or off the field issues that weren't rising to the level of law enforcement being involved. But certainly some people don't need to be here anymore, and they're not. And you can put your pieces on the board, and then you can start to play with your pieces. Question is, can they do that? And then can they hit on enough? And this will be an enlightening period here. So what do you think has to happen between now and whatever moment it is where we begin to make that next and more sincere, more authentic evaluation? Can we just like clip a piece from an old podcast and put it in here? We'll save ourselves some time. Yeah, I'd be happy. Because I think I've said this a few times. I, I got to see change. I got to see something different. I mean, I don't know how many how many different ways I could say it. I, I, what's the answer? You know, typically, uh, I don't want to say people turn to us for the answers, but that's part of our job is to try to provide answers. And not knowing who's calling the plays, not knowing what the scheme is, not knowing what this is or, or getting straight answers on that, makes it difficult for me to say what needs to change, what specifically needs to change. But it's become obvious that there needs to be something different. Uh, there needs to be something drastic. Drastic might be too drastic of a word, I guess. But there needs to be something at least notable of a change. Not, hey, you know, we moved some guy from left guard to right guard. There you go. No, nah, it's got to be bigger than that. It doesn't have to be a whole coaching staff overhaul. But there has to be something notable that's different because I just don't think you can keep running it back with the same players, with the same coaches, in the same scheme, doing the same thing three years in a row and expecting something different right now. Personnel-wise, they have eight more players they can bring aboard. Is that correct? Something like that, sure. 
Yeah. Do you have a, a pecking order there? Because again, you got all these openings, and they've done some work on some of the openings, but I think what happens next is probably going to be the most impactful because they'll be in the moment additions. Like for example, getting the tight end from Colorado State didn't really need him before Tony Banks, excuse me, TJ Banks um, transferred. So that takes one off the deck. That hurts. I get that. Still have plenty of room though. So eight. Is there a, a hierarchy of needs here that you think they need to get? Could it be a quarterback? Could it be an alpha receiver? How many safeties among the eight had to be? How does this work? I think they've done an excellent job so far with the secondary. Um, I, I really like that pickup of Marcus Floyd. I think that that's that that's big. Lynn J. Dixon fills a need. Brian Polende, is that how we're pronouncing that? Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the tight end from Colorado State. He he fills a very specific need as an almost exclusively blocking tight end, but is a very good blocking tight end. So they've done a nice job with there. Zyke Lawton will, will help build depth on the defensive line. He's still young. He's a little different than these other transfers. But the biggest need right now, I mean, we see we say quarterback. I, I think it depends on what you think, what you got at quarterback. But it's looking like wide receiver needs to be a top priority right now. You you need friggin' playmakers. Like, when was the last time you had a guy that caught the ball on a five-yard slant on a wide receiver screen, on a tunnel screen, and took it 70 yards for a touchdown? When was the last time West Virginia did that? When was the last time West Virginia had a receiver to do that? I know people say, hey, what about Winston Wright? And, and he has had some explosive plays, but not like some of the receivers that we've seen in Morgantown in the past. And not like some of the guys you see nationally that are doing it on a regular basis. So I think West Virginia needs a marquee playmaker, right? Wide receiver. And I think you can, you can pitch that to some of these guys because there's an opportunity to come in and start right away. Um, and I, I don't know. I think, again, I'm not trying to take anything away from Winston, right? Cause he was a, a very good receiver and, and, you know, the leading receiver, it hurts that he left, but then you look around the portal at the options that West Virginia has. And, you know, I made that list the other day and I'm putting it together and it's like, here, there's guys that West Virginia has connections to who they've been in touch with. And it's, you know, 200 yards receiving, 350 yards receiving. There just doesn't seem to be that guy that's a deep threat or some guy that's taken to the house every other every time they touch the ball. How do you think the remaining ones will be split? <clears throat> will be split, not position by position, but is it half offense, half defense? Does it lean more toward one side or the other? Or is it kind of just get the best available, like you're drafting late in the first round or late in the second round? I think they'll take a best available approach, but uh, maybe with a lean towards offense because the fact that you have Chandler Tomato and, and Dante Stills coming back, and then you've already added Marcus Floyd in the secondary, that's like three of the spots that you were really thinking you would need a transfer in. You know, I think we had discussed, oh, man, with Chandler Tomato gone, they really need a linebacker. Who's going to be your mic? Are they going to move somebody inside? And if they move somebody inside, then you really have to add somebody. Now he's back. So that essentially solves that problem. Um, defensive line, you know, there was already kind of a plan in place uh, of sliding guys around and you move Jordan Jefferson into the starting lineup and slide Mesador over and it's all taken care of, but you need depth. Now with Stills back, Maybe you don't really need any more depth, especially with Lawton already on board for the transfer. So um, I'd be leaning heavy on offense and looking hard at receiver, quarterback, and 
you know, I know everybody on the offensive line is supposed to be coming back next year, but I'd still keep a look. I mean, you saw what happened in the bowl game to 24 pressures in, in a bowl game. You can't let that happen. And, and it's happened several times this year. So you have to look at an offensive line, too. Sounds like tackle as well. They're going to go for Yeah. They probably have more guards and tackles on the roster. I get that, too. Um, you mentioned Floyd a few times, and he snuck in. I shouldn't say snuck in, but I want to say day after Christmas. Um, yeah. A lot's going on because the holidays and then the bowls coming up. We were not working. Fortunately, right. you were. But that may be a name that people are going, wait a minute, who? Because people obviously recognize Dixon or even more recently, Pud Ledney. Been on a player suit who got some attention before and then certainly when he didn't get a ton of attention but there, there's something here that's that's really intriguing because of his story and also it seems like it's pretty good too what do they have here well an fcs all-american twice i believe um and he has two years of eligibility left so he's not somebody that's just coming in one and done i mean yeah, heck in today's college football maybe he is but he does have two years of eligibility and they used him murray state used him in a variety of different ways. Uh, like, I mean, obviously, he he plays defensive back, so he's back there. He's defending the pass. He's uh, getting interceptions and stuff. But they also like to use him blitzing off the edge and getting into the backfield. And, I mean, I'm not calling him some kind of uh, fancy pass rusher or anything, but to have guys that have that ability to make tackles in open space and, and run guys down in the backfield, that that's not something you see in all cornerbacks. So that adds some more versatility. I think you could see him play almost like a Jackie Matthews role where he's sliding into different spots, whether it's spear, safety, corner, whatever. And so, you know, Jackie Matthews out, Marcus Floyd in. I don't want to say West Virginia ended up in a better spot with that, but it's possible that they could end up in a better spot because of this move, like this trade-off. A sideways move is not a bad thing either because Matthews was good. He was going to have only so much of a ceiling, but if he could fill that spot with a similar player who, by the way, has another year, hey, that's great too. Yeah. Um, quarterback. <laughs> this is a great conversation. You could have it every day between now and the start of the season about whether or not they should add, and you can have different dynamics of the conversation, have different outcomes here. I, I just think they have to try. I'm not saying they have to add because those are two different things. If you can't get good quarterbacks that are going to come in and be worthwhile additions, don't do it. But if you can get somebody who fills a specific need, do it. And that's where you start the conversation. What is the need? Is it a starter? Is it a veteran because you have true freshman, redshirt freshman, redshirt sophomore? Is it a guy who can come in and push and start? Is it a guy who definitely comes in and starts? Is it a dual threat? Is it a pocket guy? Is it a guy with a big arm? Is it a guy with arm and legs? This is, like I said, an evolving conversation that I don't know. I don't want to have it, but I can't help but have it here, too. I don't know where to begin, but I kind of want to begin with that is that, um, yeah, I think you have to do it. You have to get a certain type. What are they looking for, do you think? Well, actually, let's back it up. Do you think they have to try? And if so, what do they have to add? I think they have to try. But this is the same situation that we're in a year ago where you and I were having this conversation. Uh, we were having it like exactly a year ago, uh, right after the the Daggy Bowl game issues. Austin Kendall kind of came in and then it's like, hey, I don't know if either of these guys are the answer. We don't know if Garrett Green's ready. Don't know if this new guy, Will Crowder, that's going to be here in a few days is ready. So West Virginia has to look in the portal. And you and I went up and down 
the available quarterbacks in the transfer portal and try to figure out who was better because we had the same criteria last year as we do this year. Whoever it is has to be definitively better than what's already on campus. And there were only a handful. I remember, I mean, one of them was was Mackenzie Milton, who ended up at Florida State, and he was like our clear answer. And uh, let's see, he completed 58% of his passes and had six interceptions to just three touchdowns this year. Yeah. So um, it's good analysis by us, good eval. Uh, but, you know, who's on the tra- – I'm looking – I'm scrolling through the transfer portal as we speak – it's Who's, thin, man. It's it thin. Is, like, I, I got a list of definitely two, maybe four. Like, I mean, we're talking Caleb Williams, who I do not believe to be a reasonable option at this point in time. I don't Cam- think Caleb Williams opens the flip phone if there's a 304 area code. No. I mean, he is. Uh, it's been made very clear that he is out there for more NIL money. And. I just don't – West Virginia is not going to be able to offer more than what uh, Oklahoma is already offering. So Or Georgia. So He's gone. He's not coming back. He's gone. You think so? You think this is it? Like he's I, definitively well, think, leaving Oklahoma. I think Dylan Gabriel probably answers the question because he's going to Oklahoma now and not UCLA. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that – I think he's gone for sure. I don't think you do this unless that unless you're doing it. I thought it was really interesting that Oklahoma's athletic department, you saw this, had a statement. Yeah, that was awkward. I, I, well, it's awkward to me. I don't think that was as much to keep Williams. I think it was as much to let everybody know that things are okay and this is screwed up, but we're ready to deal with it. Like, And here are our accomplishments, and here is how we plan on going about this. You can read it. I won't recite it, but it's very specific. And sure, it does talk to Caleb Williams. I think it talks to anybody else who may have this idea about Oklahoma. I just don't think he's coming back. So we'll cross him off the list. So we're down to one, maybe three. And and the one is one we've discussed before, um, despite uh, certain people promoting it as breaking news in the last couple of days. Our own Chris Hummer uh, reported this a month ago that West Virginia was already in touch with Incarnate Words, Cameron Ward, FCS player that is suddenly become one of the most uh, coveted quarterback transfers. But is yeah. he even a viable option? Because I think it, there seems to be this, um, I don't want to say everybody's agreed on it, but that he's likely, was it his offensive coordinators going to Washington State? Mm-hmm. So they're likely to follow suit there. Um, after that, I mean, you're taking a pretty big drop to a couple guys that West Virginia did recruit, albeit I believe with the previous staff. Maybe this one was uh, Connor ba- Basilak from Missouri. He had a West Virginia offer. He's originally from Ohio. Mm-hmm. And Zach, Zach Calzada from Texas A&M. Both of those guys were okay this year. So are they definitively better than what West Virginia has? So this is where it gets it gets interesting for me. I just I think I, I this is where I, I don't know where to start it. I guess what do you want, and that's where you kind of go from there, and that that's probably where they're able to funnel this better than what we want. But also, do you want somebody who who's going to come in and start, and and that's going to be a guy who has one year, and you can make a very logical argument that you do not want a quarterback who's going to be here for three or four years, unless it's a guy. And if it's a guy who's going to give you like two to three years of high level play, 
and your offense is definitely going to benefit. Man, I mean, do you do you just brush aside the work that you've done and the assets you've accumulated because you're probably going to lose a couple of them if you do that. So that's a really risky thing for me too. But you'd hate to be four and eight next year because you didn't have somebody who was better than one of these three young players who just haven't done much or anything on a college football field. That's that's tricky and. I think we can talk ourselves into Marchio being ready to do a whole lot. I mean, I can play snippets from a podcast we had with Clint. Um, uh, Clint Brewer, sorry, I was trying to, my phone was going off here. And Clint Brewster, um, back in June, about how this could be a guy who's ready to come in. He's been programmed to be a quarterback. He started at different schools right away. He was a freshman. You know, he, he's he got a flair for the dramatic. And oh, by the way, that was all before a really, really good senior season. Um, for a school that probably wasn't as good as he made it to be, and this is your Arizona player there. My point is, you can talk yourself into it. There's going to be 12 teams with 11 guys on the other side of the ball that do not care about that and are going to try to make his life miserable. So all that stuff ends the first time they play a game, and you don't know how that's going to you know, work out for him or for the offense. So trouble is, you bring in somebody else, you don't know how they're going to react either because it's going to be a totally new situation. If they're in the portal, they're in the portal for a reason. Sometimes just to move up, is West Virginia up? Sometimes it's because they couldn't beat a guy out. Can they beat the guy out here at West Virginia? I don't know. They have some wiggle room on scholarships. I don't think there's an excuse if they don't try. But I just think you got to make sure you get the right person. If it's a fourth quarterback, and that doesn't help you out at all. Unless that guy is going to be just like your 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 old veteran who's going to show these guys how to be a college quarterback. And there's some benefit to that. Does that have to be a scholarship player? I don't know. Maybe. I don't know how you would get around that, too. But um, timing is also an issue, too, Chris, because they start school first. They start school soon here in the second semester. I don't really want to bring quarterback in in the summer because I think that person's at a decided disadvantage of being able to contribute or to be a starter. If he's just coming in for a couple of weeks in the in the camp and a couple of weeks before that in the summer getting ready, I think you'd like to have a guy here for the spring. Yeah, uh, I don't want to say if if they don't show up, this month they're out of the picture but if they don't show up this month they're out of the picture i mean you can you i just don't see a situation where a guy's coming in 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 june or july doing a couple routes with the wide receivers throwing fake towels at them because they can't throw footballs uh you know for quote-unquote practice but it's just not going to happen so i think you do need to try to get them on right now but it's what is the day? Looks like officially January fourteenth is the last day to register for classes. Um, we've all seen the deadlines be a little more flexible for marquee athletes, so mm-hmm. could be a little little later than that. But uh, that that's the kind of timeline we're looking for, which is two, less than two weeks from now. So mm-hmm. if a move's to be made, it needs to be made. I'd just be surprised that they, I mean, we know they've made some contacts, but I think that everybody's got to take a swing at Cam Ward. I think you just have to because that's that type of talent too. But I also wonder how deep their evaluation goes. Like, are you looking at like FCS guys? You know, can you, can you find people who have really good stats and you can plug into an offense and maybe it works? Um, You might not find those guys in your conventional online 24 seven sports portal. Sometimes those guys are like a, you got to do like a deeper dig to find them too, but uh, it's, Man, there's just so many ways to do it and to make it happen, too. And you can find players from smaller schools. And, I mean, it could be FCS, could be FBS, could be Group of Five, whatever. But um, uh, Bailey Zapp, for example, is a guy who came from Houston Baptist and set all sorts of records at Western Kentucky this year. That's a one-year guy who's going to go to the NFL and probably get drafted and make some money, too. 
And I don't know, that's a talent fit into an offense that was going to fling it. Not a guy that would be on the top of anybody's boards, you would think. I mean, he he ended up going to Western Kentucky. If you put him in the portal now, he'd be everybody's, you know, top two, top three, top five pick for a quarterback in the portal. But roll the dice on him and it worked, but they had a pretty good indication he was going to be a good player. Can there be a guy like that who maybe isn't like a, a 90 rating or a four-star rating, but just fits? And maybe he does something that's different or he does something better that can do it. And and I just I just think they're on the clock a little bit here because you're right. If they come in and if they come in, in July, those other three are going to be ahead. That doesn't mean those other three are going to be better. That means they're going to be better than the guy who comes in just by a head start. That's going to be – that'll be tricky. We'll see, too. Uh, speaking of okay. portal. Oh, hold no, on. Go I got ahead. a question for you Yeah. related to this, whether somebody comes in or not. April 20th, 21st, whatever, after the bowl game, after the spring game, if there is enough, are enough guys to have a spring game, does Neil Brown name a starter at quarterback by, well, let's say by May 1st? Does Neil Brown name a starter at quarterback by May 1st? Or does this quote-unquote competition continue on into the summer and fall camp? Unless it's... 100% obvious, and I don't even know what that would be. Because, like, if, if one guy got injured, if Garrett Green got injured and then Crowder just outplayed Marchio, you could do that. But even if you're like, well, we didn't see a lot of Garrett Green. Um, if Garrett Green transferred and Marchio clearly outplayed Crowder, I don't think you're going to say, well, we'll make Marchio our starter because that's going to really discourage Crowder. I would be – in fact, I'm going to go say no. I can't see a situation. I mean, even if it's obvious, like, what would make it obvious makes me think they wouldn't do it. Okay. I was, just, I was just curious. I'm I'm with you on that. I, don't, I think you're right. Also, how would you get a quarterback in the summer if you named your starter? <laughs> right. Because, again, like, if they name a starter, you're. I mean, these three guys are not going to be here next year. Sorry. But that, that would seem extremely unlikely unless they each start, like, four games and the team went five and seven and they're going to try to do it over next year. That would be one thing. But even then, like, do they want to be a part of that? I, don't, I would be very surprised, too. So, um I don't know. I just, man, it's again, I could spend a lot of time on this every day and I don't want to do that now too. I'd like to shift to the portal. If that's all right. Okay. Yeah. 30 players since the first of last year, I believe 15 now since the first game started. And I just don't know what to do with this. I, I see something like Caleb Williams, who it doesn't make any sense. Rattler's gone, South Carolina. He had a pretty great season. Bowl game went well. They're going to always be good. They they have talent. They probably should win the Big 12 next year or at least be there at the end, you know, probably in Dallas playing the game. And it's set up for him to be very good again. It gave him everything he wanted, and he enters the transfer portal basically saying, I'm a free agent. Come at me and make your best offer. I couldn't believe it, but he really did say that without saying the word free agent, but basically saying, I'm on the market. Uh, I could come back. I think he's gone. I think he probably ends up in Georgia. That's a lot of the rumors now that I'm reading too. But – it happens everywhere. I get that. How do we rate West Virginia's house on fire meter here? Um, pretty high. Not as bad as everybody wants to think, but still not good. Uh, see, so doing a one to ten, maybe a seven, an eight. I mean, I think it's pretty. It's somewhat alarming. Again, would you say thirty? since the start of the calendar year of 2021, uh, whatever it is, 15, since the start of the season, essentially. Um, I did see somebody the other day, somebody sent me the numbers for 
the top you know schools since August first, I believe, since since basically fall camp started. West Virginia's not in the top ten. Like, I mean, these are these are a lot of numbers for West Virginia, whatever it is, fifteen, I think you said, uh, since August first. That's not even top ten. So, I mean, it, it's still top fifteen, which is bad, but um, it's not not end of the world kind of thing. I think it's a little more alarming. Uh, you, as you noted, a little varying degrees. A couple of the guys, I think, were a little. A couple of the transfers tell me a little more or concern me a little more than others, uh, not because of their talent level, but because of the why. Like why it doesn't make sense. It doesn't quote unquote make sense why they're tra- uh, transferring. But yeah, you know, seven or eight out of ten. Are you higher or lower than me? I'm running back in to get the pets and the family jewels. Because I think that like you can't really you can't count on the fire department to get there in time. You know, uh-huh. I'm a little wor- I'm a little worried. I guess, but it, and mostly because of the the quality and the quantity are two different things. Because I think you can qualify everything, but like the the type of player that's leaving, and then not only that, but like where they're at and their progression in the program. Like a lot of them are ready to be be the guy or be in a position to be the guy. Or you you spend a lot of time developing this player, these players, to be in a key position, and you pull that piece out. Like Jenga a little bit, a little wobbly. You got to put somebody in. You got to find somebody in. So like again, losing banks, I don't know that we could we could argue about that, and it's going to be a nuanced conversation. Like, is that a replaceable part? Probably, but you got to go out and replace him. So you have this bank of scholarships that are extra this year. You have seven extras. One of them's got to go to a tight end. Like I think in a perfect world, they have Banks, O'Loughlin, Finley for sure. And if they get a good offseason out of Traylon Davis and or Victor Wickstrom you're good. You don't have to worry about that. But now you pull that one piece out, you got to go get one. And that maybe keeps you from addressing, I don't know, quarterback, cornerback, linebacker, defensive tackle. But guess what? You might not do quarterback and you have a linebacker and defensive tackle. So even the way that you could like really creatively build an argument that makes it look bad for West Virginia, maybe it's not so bad. And sometimes it fixes itself. So again, you almost gain two scholarships by keeping stills and Chandler Samito. So if you lose one by having to go replace Banks, well, you're still up one. So a lot of stuff you can just kind of argue in circles on too. But I think what concerns me is that, you know, what are you going to do about Winston Wright? That's a maybe not the most productive and, and splashy player, but that's one of your most productive and splashy players on your offense. Where does he rate nationally? I don't know. Is he going to end up in a power five? I don't, know. I don't know. Do you think he ends up in a power five? I don't know. I was waiting for you to give the answer to that because I think it's a pretty good question. I don't think so. But sure, maybe he does. But maybe someone sees something there that we don't. But you start to look at at the names here and, and the position that they're in and like where they're at in their progression to the program. And that concerns me, too. Like, we're just work Matthews, like, like backwards. Matthews, that one doesn't make sense to me. Like, where is he going to go for this final year? And is he going to be in a better situation? Like, I'm not sure he's going to be a starter this year, but he had experience starting. He had a really val- valuable, versatile role. He could have done different things. Is he going to find a, like a starting corner spot in the Power Five and get himself to the NFL? I don't know. Daigie, less is more on this one here. I think everybody understands the score on this one here. That one doesn't bother me so much, right? Just puzzling. Like that's a guy who could probably get you like. I mean, if you really push it, you can get him to like 80 catches and over a thousand yards and a bunch of touchdowns. You can incorporate him in the offense a bunch of different ways. Um, I, I, I mean, I like this whole idea about people saying, "Oh, spread the wealth, get everybody, get five or six receivers, three or four touches." 
that's three or four touches from four or five different people that don't go to a player like Wright. I like having someone the defense is terrified of and has to figure out how to stop him. Wright could be a guy like that. Uh, J.P. Hadley, backup long snapper, good player, good guy, nothing against him, but want to go snap? Go snap. That's fine. Banks, like I said, you you can replace guys like T.J. Banks, but you need guys like T.J. Banks. Esdale, just never seemed like these two were one side like the other here very much. That's a problem. Cowan, I don't know. That's a guy who could have been useful next year. He's got to have his head on right. We'll see. Parker Moore, I understand it. Makes sense to me completely. Go out and be, be a starter at ECU. Perfect. But you'd like to have that sixth offensive lineman, seventh offensive lineman. Someone else has to do that now. Sam Brown, that's a talent that never got going for one reason or another. And can you give the offensive coaches benefit of the doubt that that wasn't a good player, that he wasn't going to be a good player? I have a hard time with that. And then before that, you're kind of looking at, you know, for lack of a better phrase, Sparrow is just a guy, Devil Washington, a receiver who moved the linebacker. Kerry Martin's a different case. Uh, Daryl Middleton, just a bad um, match on transfers. Eddie Watkins, a guy who was here, maybe shouldn't have been here. James Thomas, a guy who I think they felt like there was a potentially pretty good player, never got the chance. How many of those guys are they really going to miss next year on the field? Probably not many, but like in the in a specific position in a in a in a program that's building on the 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 Jenga tower, so to speak. Those are some solid pieces that you're going to have to replace because other not, otherwise it's compromised and it sways and it rattles and it can be knocked down easier too. So they got to complete the puzzle. It, it worries me if they can. That would, that would be my concern if I was a fan. Can they put all these pieces back in and get things firm so they can continue to you know build and climb and all that stuff and. Again, that's where it goes. Like, don't worry about your problem here. Worry about the solution. And then can these guys do the work? Can they get recruits and transfers that actually match what they want to do? Are they the pieces they want on the board? And then can they stay? Will they stay? Are they going to be transfers that transfer? Are they going to be recruits that transfer? Are they going to be people who make minimal or nominal contributions? We'll see. But that's where where we're at right now. Can they actually do it? We'll be enlightened. I'm with you on the the transfer thing. You look up and down, and it's it is a question of how many of these guys we're going to contribute next year. My big concerns are there. There are basically two things that concern me a little bit. One one is, I guess it's evaluation here. I mean, Daryl Middleton arrives and is gone within you know uh, three months, basically two months uh, between when he gets on campus and when he's gone. Devil Washington one year and you've moved him from wide receiver to linebacker um stuff like that is 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 concerning to me Kerry Martin I mean he, again that was a little different situation but essentially it was kind of where if I'm remembering this correctly he was being pushed to like third string and the safety spot and then he leaves and then West Virginia at the end of the year is you know playing walk-ons and running three linebackers and running out true freshmen out there because they don't have the bodies to do it when earlier in the year they were pushing this guy who had experience to the third string. Uh, that's a little worrisome. But the the big thing for me right now is just a run of I- not issues, but transfers and, and upset players at in one room, which is wide receiver. Uh, Winston Wright, Isaiah Esdale, Sam Brown, uh, Devil Washington gets pushed from receiver to linebacker. Gone, 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 gone. Um, Bryce Ford Wheaton announces he's coming back, removes that graphic, uh, hearing that he's still deciding you're basically losing two of your top receivers. And then you're having to re-recruit two more top receivers in, in Bryce Ford Wheaton and Sam James to, to stay on campus. That's, 
that's half your receiver room is upset right now. At, at least that's, that's what concerns me right now. Um, outside of the, the big total overall number, the big total overall number is, is, is a, uh, a red light for me, but, but the fact that the wide receiver room is having such an issue is also a problem. I had a conversation with somebody. I told you who it was, but like, just to, to kind of give this like credibility, a person who, who definitely knows what's going on here. And, um, we were just talking about things, catching up after the holidays and all that. And we were talking about, hey, what, you know, what's going on? What's exactly going on? A conversation similar to this. And I, I said that the one I didn't really understand so much right now was Winston Wright, because that's not like a, a rumor we'd heard or a whisper we'd heard. You never saw the body language. He had a, a good role with the team that could be elevated. I'm not sure he's a guy who's going to, like I said, I'm not sure he's going to be a Power 5 guy or a big NIL guy. He's not going to go bank six figures at LSU or anything, I don't think. So, like, I was just like, that's the one I don't understand. This person said, well, like, well, how do you talk Winston Wright in the staying? And think about that for a second. If Winston Wright comes into your office and says, Coach, I'm, I'm you know, I'm going to put my name in the portal and, you know, maybe I'll come back. But, like, I, I want to get myself to the next level. I want to have fun playing offense. I want to become, like, a featured guy on a really productive uh, offensive unit. How do you talk him into staying? Do you use the quarterback? Well, which quarterback is it? Do you use your offensive identity? Well, what is it? Do you use... One, two, three different influential weapons that you could reasonably apply to a young player who has wants and interests that would satisfy him. And I hadn't thought about it that way. And I don't know how you answer that question. And that's something that they're going to have to figure out um, how they fix. Because I'm not saying that you you build your offense and you pick a quarterback based on how you satisfy receivers. But you kind of build an offensive pick and quarterback based on how you satisfy receivers. Not so that they transfer, but so that you have a good offense and they're happy and they're playing well, they're playing hard, you're scoring points and you're not kicking field goals. Um, that's that's tricky to me right now, but I think that's a good way to encapsulate it is that, man, why are all these players leaving? Why would they stay? There's two ways to look at that, too. It's not a bad place. We've talked about a lot of the good things you have going and how you know maybe this is a part where they, they finally have things in a good spot where they can get some people that they like and develop them and and maybe that should have happened a year or two or even three ago. But, hey, that's where they're at right now. And a lot of excuses or a lot of built-in yeah buts are gone. And you just drill down to the problem. And the problem would be, like, convincing people this is it. This is the place. This is how we're going to do it. These are the people we're going to use. And you have fewer people that you can use, but you still have to figure out what it is and, and how you're going to do it. And they really have to confront that right now. Well, and you also come to the part of – how you sell your program, how you sell your offense, and then having to deliver on what you're selling. And I, let's be clear here, under Daniel Hogerson, it was it was sold as this high-flying offense that throws the ball all around the field. And when the new staff came in, I mean, this is definitely a different offense, I think is safe to say. But they also, they didn't pitch, hey, you know, we're running Daniel Hogerson's offense, but they still pitched. This is a high-flying offense. Every recruit, every wide receiver recruit I talked to over the last three, four years, the pitch from West Virginia has been, we throw the ball a lot. We throw the ball a lot. We throw the ball a lot. You're going to catch a lot of passes, do all this stuff. Is Are you looking at West Virginia's offense and saying, yeah, that seems right? I don't think so. And I think when you sell somebody on a high-flying receiver-centric offense and then they get here and there's quarterback controversies you know poor o-line play and no one's really hitting the deep ball 
It's just not very electric on offense. It, it, they're going to be upset about what they ended up getting. I think that's a good way to put it, too. And then let me – I'm not picking apart your answer here, but I want to, like, pick out one thing I highlighted, too. Holgerson's identity was throw it around, spin the ball, win a prize. I get that. Was it? It wasn't. Right, but yeah, it was, was his, what, what was his identity, run, right? Yeah, yeah, but everybody knew Holgerson was going to get yard and score points, win yeah. games. I don't know, but you knew that he was going to get points, and that the fact that he was a offense guy that forgave whatever the identity was. Neil Brown's an offense guy, but I don't think he has that benefit of the doubt right now, too. And that's that's what they got to fix. And they, listen, that's the job they know that I'm sure of it. I hope they're sure of it, but that's where they're at right now. They got to fix that too. So we'll see. Um, time for basketball. Sure. Really quickly. They're going to fix this COVID thing. Are they going to drop out to five games? Is it going to be 10 games? And what type of wrecking ball is this going to be the rest of the year? Well, I think I was speaking to somebody the other day that, that told me that the big 12 was going to be meeting today, tomorrow, uh, to discuss that, you know, the CDC changed their guidelines for, for vaccinated persons from 10 to five days, uh, as far as quarantine goes. But, then again, it was 10 to five days. And then the, I think, you know, because for those that don't know, my, my kids got it the other day and they're fine. No issues. But they got five days and then the school said they could come back. But when they come back, they have to wear their masks all the time for everything. So it's it, it seems like how are they going to do that? Because the, the actual change is five days of quarantine instead of 10. And then the other five days are sp- supposed to be masked at all times. Are the guys going to wear masks on the court for day six through 10? I don't see that happening. And to be honest, there is speaking with that same person and a couple other people in the Big 12. There's a lot of confusion about what's going on with the guidance, with the testing, with whether or not certain teams are playing by the rules as laid out by the Big 12 conference um, in, in regards to forfeits and whatnot but i think uh you know i don't know if we're going to get answers i mean uh, you wrote a a very good article about it the other day about how this is kind of confusing that maybe west virginia is going to be at full strength maybe not because the other part of this is and and once somebody gets it like especially in a close-knit group like a, a family or a team it can be one of those situations where one or two people get it, and then two days later, a couple other people get it, and then two days later, a couple other people get it. And instead of dealing with it for five to ten days, now you're dealing with it for an entire month. And and people I've spoken with feel like even though this variant is not as troublesome as previous variants, that it could be, as far as a, a person's individual health, they feel that it could be just as disruptive as it was last year or the year before yeah a couple of things i've heard is that well, one this is not done at wvu we'll see exactly what strength they're at saturday but will those three people be back it's tbd because we don't know when the 10-day window started for them um it could be done friday it could be done sunday it just depends on how the, the 10-day window started uh, it can start two days before a test so it's not 10 days from when you're tested uh, it's 10 days from when you were symptomatic so when did when did one or all three of these players have symptoms that's when the 10-day clock starts. You can make a scenario where it's already passed because they've been back for 10 days, I believe. So we'll see. Who knows? But they also have to be clear. that they have to have like an EKG and go through some things just because that's what they've been doing. Um, what concerns what concerns people that I talk to is that 
like the Big Twelve is not like proactive on a lot of things. Um, you'll you'll we so Omicron's been around for a while, right, Chris? And we saw games getting you know postponed and canceled even back in November and, and early December. It wasn't until the 21st of December that they got rid of the forfeit rule, where if your team didn't have enough players to play, you were going to forfeit a game. They just changed that, right? So yeah. it might take them a while to come around to this, too. I think there's a hope that they just say, listen, the CDC says this. Why don't we just do what the CDC says? And that effectively cuts 10 days to five. Do they have to wear masks on, on the court? I think that's something they're trying to figure out. I guess for aesthetics, I don't know. Um, but the two other things that really concern people. One, rescheduling games. They did not build in a week into the turn into the, the conference schedule this year. And that SEC Big 12 challenge game is not going anywhere. That's televised. It's not going anywhere. They're not going to cancel WVU Arkansas so they can play WVU TCU. They're not going to do that. So they're going to have situations where they're playing like three games in seven days. They're not going to have that more than like a couple of times a season. But there might be a point where it doesn't it doesn't work out. And the third thing that people are not talking about is attendance limitations. Can you in good faith have 10, 12, 14,000 people in a stadium right now? Um, so how do you manage that? Do you say, listen, we're back at 50 percent? Or, hey, mask mandate. I don't care if you're vaccinated. I don't care if you're boosted. Like, we have to get this under control. Um, there, there, There's going to be some conversations like that. And I think that's what they're trying to figure out is like, okay, when will this cool down? When will this heat up? I think a lot of people talk about this is going to be a really bad month for it just because everybody's around for Christmas and Thanksgiving, or Christmas and New Year's, big crowds, family gatherings. Obviously, you're going to have an uptick. So when it comes back down to earth a little bit, can you make some reasonable projections? You know, could you see in the meantime limited capacity? Could you see masks if you're unvaccinated or or, or how are they going to do that? Could there be some rolling back to what we had last year? And then consequently, what's the response from fans? Don't know. We'll see. I, boy, I, I cannot believe that they did not, you know, institute or set aside some time, have a bye week, set up open space in the schedule for rescheduling like that. I can't believe it yet. I can because the big 12 has been reactive instead of proactive about quite literally every single thing since before West Virginia ever even joined the conference. Like, like for a bunch of smart people, they sure are dumb. Let's put it that way. And to that, they were really celebrated for having that built in week last season. Mm-hmm. Like it worked out for them. They were able to like get some more basketball in. I think that the teams kind of liked it a little bit. You know, it was, it was good. It worked. Um, some teams got a break. That was fine. It was, it, it didn't, it wasn't as bad and it wasn't as ideal, but it was there and that, that made it ideal in some respect. And the big 12 was always like, just do what's worked, whether it's for the big 12 or for other people, just do what's worked. Yeah. Have to have a championship game. Let's do it. Right. Have to have a data point because everybody else says, let's do it. This worked. Why not just keep it? I don't understand that. And they're probably going to pay a price for that. I don't and, think anybody's and, worried about a conference tournament or an NCAA tournament going away, though. No, no, no. I, I was, yeah. Again, this is not, this is you and I talking also, but also relaying the concerns and comments and thoughts from people, capital P people involved in uh, basketball, college basketball. So um, it, it's a concern. It's the, the Big 12 issues are legitimate and talked about and they have also told me the same thing that you just said right there there's zero chance that the ncaa tournament gets canceled i mean maybe maybe not zero but pretty darn close to zero it can't happen again i don't think the sport can financially 
handle it again. Yeah. Basketball would belong to the conferences at that point instead yeah. of the NCAA. That's <laughs> that's something the NCAA does not want to let happen too. So watch out there. Um, all right, my desk is falling apart as you can hear. Probably time to go. <laughs> yeah, I think we can wrap it up. Um, I guess it, it's been a while since we had a podcast, so um, we'll get back on this a little more regularly. We'll open up a Q and A some point here soon and and we'll start popping in for some basketball and then recruiting kicks back in in a week or so mike so we'll be back for some more might get neil brown on uh signing day february that's a long time away but that might be the next time we really hear from him um until then you know you're gonna have maybe good news and that you hadn't expected but i think you have a reason to expect good news now because you've seen some unexpected ones so maybe more will follow lots of scholarships to hand out still so uh yeah Press F5. Always helps. <laughs> Until then, I'm Mike Casaza, And I'm Chris Anderson. We'll talk to you next time.